So what the Ramchal is talking about, this Perk Dalad, <coughs> is uh, the setup, we can use that word, the setup of mankind. Uh, and I had gone to different uh, ideas in previous year and so on and so forth, you know. But um, clearly the setup, therefore, is, uh, is, a f- is a physical universe. That's really what the setup. And So the physical universe, as I mentioned, it's not just that it's physical, but its entire nature is to obscure the truth. The entire nature of the physical universe is to obscure what reality really is. I compared many times to a fog. Imagine you're going, uh, you know, you're driving and there's this incredible fog. You don't see anything, you know. And then uh, every once in a while, a little patch, you know, lightens and you can see something, you know. But basically, going through a fog is uh, a tremendous amount of obscurity. And really, the physical universe is really that. What it, that's really what it is. Uh, it is a situation that is meant to create tremendous obscurity about reality. Um, and obscurity can be called, of course, darkness. Chushech. <clears throat> so, therefore, the Bonshim put us in this tremendous level of obscurity to really hide reality. So, the physical universe is really the perfect situation to make sure that reality is concealed. It's really what it's all about. And I had mentioned that there are several aspects of the physical universe that deceive us. And the physical universe presents ideas which are the exact opposite of reality. Now, if you think about it, in the reality above the physical universe, uh, call it the spiritual world, what is the reality there? What exactly do you see when you go to that reality? Well, basically what you see is the presence of the Rabbanishman. It's a real presence. Um, and it pervades the entire reality. Well, it's like the Shekhinah. Imagine if you go to uh, and the, the, when the Beis Hamikdash was around, when you went to that Beis Hamikdash, what did you feel? You could feel a presence. There was a, you can it's a um, a true experiencing of a presence, you know. Um, but in in the spiritual universe, that presence pervades everything. There's no obscurity, and not only that, but in, besides experiencing that presence, you also experience the major characteristic of that presence, which is basically inaymuvadoi, that that is the source uh, of everything that exists. Not only is it the only thing that exists, but that there is no other cause at all. There's no siba. The Rosham is the only cause that does anything. Um, so you actually experience a reality uh, which is um, the closest, really, to understanding the Rabbanishlam. It's called Yichud Mitzi Usoi, the oneness of its existence. 
But there's two things. To know that I really have no self that exists independent or even apart from the Vajram. And the, thing, the second thing is to experience it. Here, all we can do is know that. You, know, you can tell a guy, you know, you don't, you don't really exist. And I look, what are you talking about? You know, no, no, you know, and, and so on, you know. But in Ilam Hapa, you experience that. It's a tremendous difference. And we don't know what the experience is. Yes. Yeah. We don't know what that means. How it's done. We talk contradiction. Well, the, yeah, there's no contradiction. The problem he, here, you don't expect. Was that? True what? No, he feels a sense of self. An effort, yeah. Sure. Just that whatever he does, is that he's an effort. If he ever Nani. No, no, he, he has a self, except his self is devoted to you. There is a sense of. Yeah, in that sense, yeah. Because he has a self, but whatever I do, I do for you. I've devoted my aspirations for your cause. You know, that, but he has a sense of self. So, the physical universe is an incredible illusion, and it obscures reality, the reality of what does it mean to exist beyond. So again, so the multiplicity of beings is an illusion. We think there are many things. Really, there's only one thing called God, Eneid Mavadar. The multiplicity of causes that we look like we cause everything, that is an illusion, you know. And then the sense of self is an illusion, really. Um, we don't experience a non-self, or we don't even experience what a self that really is sort of doesn't exist. We don't experience this kind of stuff. Yeah. So really, wait. So really, the physical universe is caters to creating illusions in us. You see, and not only that. The fourth thing is we behave. We do things, and everything looks like it happens as a result of our actions. You know, and we do sins or whatever, and we do nobody, nothing, nobody says anything. You know what I'm saying? So we get the feeling that you know we are unaccountable to anybody. You see, so what the physical universe is more than just electrons and protons and neutrons and all that. You know, that that's what it's made of. But the concept of the physical universe is to totally obscure a different reality called the spiritual domain. It's really what its purpose is. And it is within that domain that we are expected to struggle to find reality. It's a tough job, you know. And it is so tough, really that God had to tell us another reality. Why did the Bosham appear? What the Bosham did is astounding. The Bosham never, never, he never appears in a way which is obvious that he exists, or else he would destroy Yibachira. So what he did by Matan Torah was incredible. You know, Matan Torah, we don't even understand the revelations that went on and so on. But why did he do it? And the answer is because we really are incapable of getting through the obscurity of the physical universe. So he has to come down, allow us to experience him, which we did, everybody, all Jews experienced him, you know, first two mitzvahs, and so on. And then they, then they get it. Without that, you don't experience anything, you know. And he had to come down, break his rules, you know, the rule of concealment. 
That's his rule. But he did it anyway, you see. And uh, so it's actually, it's not only Mount Ter, but he also did it by Mitzrayim. He went into Egypt and busted them up. That's really what he did. Why would he do that? You know, for Rabbanisham to wipe out Egypt is, is nothing. He could have sent a plague. Destroy everybody. Kill it. What's the big deal? Does that all the time. The Black Plague killed 250 million people in Europe in the 13th century. You know what I'm saying? It's not a big deal for him. You know, and Marcus Bacchus anyway killed the firstborn. So he could have wiped them out. Why, why did Rabbanisham violate nature, so to speak? Why did he do that? Why did he display such an incredible power? Anybody have an answer for that? It's an interesting question. It's not a problem. He could have made Egypt destroyed economically. You know what I'm saying? He could have destroyed them economically. He could have bankrupted that country. He could have destroyed everybody, starved to death, because all of a sudden it's not raining and the Nile is not overflowing. A big deal to kill people, you know? Why would he openly display who he is and what he can do? And the answer is? Yeah, but uh, there's no question about that. But he could have done that at Mount Terah. Well, how many times does he have to do it for us to get an Amuna? The real Amuna is not even from Mitzrayim, it's really from Mount Terah. That's really moon. Because over there, even though the Bansham wiped out Egypt, right, what he did is he violated nature. But by Mount Terah, he actually talked to you. The first two mitzvahs we know are directly from the Bansham, not from Meshavedo. That's a divine experience. In fact, the interesting thing about that is it says in the Torah, like, uh, nobody was as, ever as great as Moshe, right? And that's true on a continuous basis. But the truth is, Moshe Rabbeinu had the highest Nevoah. Why? Because in order to make sure that your, the Torah you receive is completely accurate, you have to have the highest level, the clearest level of communication between you and God. Or else, hey, am I hearing this right? You see? So, whoever receives the Torah must be the greatest, have the greatest stage of Nur, the greatest level of Nevoah. That's the only way. Which means, therefore, that if the Jews heard the first two commandments, which they did, and then they died, that means they had to be on the level of Moshe Rabbeinu. Isn't that interesting? That everybody knew what Moshe was experiencing for the first two mitzvahs. Why? Because those two first two mitzvahs were not given by Moshe. was given by the Roshim directly to the Jews. That means you had to be on the level of Moshe Rabbeinu. It's astounding. That means everybody knew what he was doing. Except he did it on a continuous basis. You know, Jews only had it for what? Ten seconds? And then they all died and so on, you know. So that's an incredible thing. So he already revealed himself in Mount Terror. What do you have to do this to Egypt for? You know, and the answer is... Svara? <coughs> Don't all shout at the same time. <laughs> well, I'll tell you the reason why the Bansham was always doing a lesson. He wanted to show the Hashivas of the Jews. And I'm not just going to save you and drag you out of this place in a natural way, which he could have done, it's not a problem. So one earthquake under Egypt, anyway, the Middle East has a the major fault line, the Syria Rift, it goes right through the Dead Sea, and every once in a while there's an earthquake in Israel, 
That's one of the borders of a tectonic plate of the Middle East. It destroyed the whole Egypt. But the Russian says, listen, I want to show you how I love you, how dear you are to me. You see? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to destroy Egypt, Apiteva, an open display of violation. Even though it means that I reveal who I am, even though I reveal who I am, because then everybody saw, you know, okay, you know, and so on and so forth. But it really was to show the Jews not only that he exists, but how much he loves them. That he's willing to do a violation of nature. You know, it's like if you have a son, you'll do anything to save him. You know? And that's what the Russian did. He displayed what only a God could do because he loves the Jews. That's a, that's a, that's a lesson for us. You see? And Martin Torah is who he is. And in Shiat Simshraim is how he feels about us. You know what I'm saying? It's different, a different uh, lesson, and, and uh, that's what the Roshan does, you know? <coughs> but, um, <coughs> as I was saying, the physical universe is fundamentally in, in a, it's, it's, uh, illusions. It's all illusions all over the place. Fact, and we're always we trying to break through it. What was that? The fact that we have Bechir is the biggest illusion also. Well, y- y- yeah. What's called existentially, yeah. To war, you know, but, but I'll show you, you know, and, and, the, and the problem is we create the illusion. In the beginning, it wasn't as bad. When you had Adam Mauritian, and he lived, right? So what was his illusion? He also had an illusion, or else there's no, the, you know, you, it's, there's no, uh, there's no, uh, what do you call it, uh, challenge. What was the illusion of Adam Mauritian? No? The tree was a power on its own. So therefore, he did not know the concept of. He didn't know that. He didn't know that. What do you mean the tree? There's no tree. The tree is nothing more than a setup. There's no power other than God. You see, he didn't know that God is the only thing that exists. Therefore, the Satan was able to fool him and say, no, no, there's something else that exists. And not only that, not only is there another Yeshu Mavadoi, but that Yeshu Mavadoi itself is greater than God. Because God ate from that tree and became the Rabbanishlam, you see. So, Adamish is not in a Yichud Mitzi That was his problem, that, he, that God is the only thing that exists, you see. And, he, and, and he, so he had the concept of Yichud Shlitosai, but the Sultan destroyed that, you see. So when he ate from the tree, what he was really exhibiting is a behavior that, that expressed a belief that besides me or besides God, there's other stuff going on, you see. I mean, he knew that Moshe was powerful. I mean, he was created on the sixth day, and he knew the whole world existed before him. Who made this? So he knew that Moshe was an unbelievable construction, you know, architect of construction, you see. But who says he's the only one? That was his problem. And that was purposely concealed from him so that he would make the mistake. He would have the Bechir in that region. You know, and then when he failed, which means that based on his belief, he actually sinned, which was a statement that I believe that there are other powers before, besides the Barsham. There are other forces. <clears throat> so that's when the Barsham said to him, And Ramchal says something very interesting. Normally, you learn means in the sweat of your brow, you're going to eat bread. What does that normally mean? Means, you know, until now you had freebies. You walked around, picked up a free, you didn't do anything. But now, if you want to eat, 
you need to in, you need to expend tremendous amount of effort. <clears throat> so from now on, if you want to eat, <clears throat> right, then it's going to be bezeis apecho and the sword of your brow. So we normally learn that's a nainish, that's a punishment, right? So now it, it was free, and now you got to work for it, you know. But the Ramchal says something very interesting. He says, that's not a punishment, really, at all. I mean, it comes out to be much difficult. But that's not what it was. What the Rambam said is the following, you know. Until now, the only illusion that you had, right, was that I don't exist. I don't exist as the only thing that exists. You think that there are, that, uh, what do you call it, that there are many forces. So therefore, you failed. So you know what's going to happen? Right now, it's going to be, I'm going to increase the hester. I'm going to increase the difficulty or the obscurity. In other words, from now on, when you, in order for you to eat, you need to work. So therefore, you will think that you're a cause, right? And you've got to now break through that illusion that you're not a cause. It's much worse, you see. So what other mission did by his chet is that he increased the obscurity of the physical universe. And now you think you're a cause, right? Because bread will only come as a result of your effort. But now you got, through that illusion, you've got to figure out that, no, that the bread doesn't come because of my effort. It looks like it does, right? Because there seems to be a connection. But really, the emotion gives you everything. So now you've got to break through the illusion that you're not even a cause. Well, if you can't break through easier illusion, how can you break through a uh, you know, it's like uh, you take a test, you know, to um, and and you and you fail. So now you got to take the test again, and the test becomes harder. Um, you know, I don't know if it. it, it it's a beginner entry. You can do it. Man can do it. He does it all the time. He's able to break through illusions. But what Odomishin did is he made the test harder. He allowed the physical universe to be more obscure. Because now he wouldn't eat unless he expended effort, which fooled him into believing that he's a real cause. But he's not. He's zero. So what I'm saying that it's not a punishment, it's a result. It's a result. Well, even a punishment is a result. But it's not that. But this is not meant as a punishment. It's meant as a more difficult test. You have now created an environment which is much more difficult to see the truth. And you've got to break through that. In a certain sense, it's me the connected to You think that there are other causes. Guess what? You will now have the illusion of other causes, namely yourself, because you've got to now spend efforts to plant. So you think, you know. No, I mean, you see, the Russian no, says. Who? Well, yeah, well, that, yeah. But yeah, well, yeah, yeah which, is, which is, not only is he a cause, everybody's a cause. But the motion tells you, which is interesting, you know. The motion tells you something very interesting, you know. Um... Where does a person get a sense of that he is a cause? It's very interesting. In, in Akev, the Bansham says, you know, in Akev, 
tell you something which is really very interesting. Boshim says in the ache of Shani, you shall guard yourself. That you forget the Rabbanu Shalom. The Vilti Shmuel, Mitzvah Yisov, Mishpat of Chosov, Asher Ani Anechem Mitzavayom. You will forget the Rabbanu Shalom. What does that mean? It means you will now entertain a belief, right? You have supplanted God. With who? The result of supplanting God means moving out of your belief system is you've now supplanted him with yourself, right? But how do you come to a feeling that you are so, you are a real self, your real true cause and so on? So Bansham says, the four ways a person gains a sense of self. Pentechal v'savoto, lest you eat and you feel satisfied. Pleasure. Whenever you experience pleasure, you have a tremendous sense of self. Automatically. You feel, ah, you know, just had a great food. Any, and, and what's really is, any experiencing of pleasure reinforces your sense of self. Pentechal v'savoto, really first term, pleasure. Any pleasurable experiences makes you feel like you're somebody because you're experiencing pleasure. Ubotem toivem tivne. And you will build, right, big houses, and you'll dwell in it. What does that refer to? Houses? Wealth. What? Wealth. Who? Wealth. No, productivity. You will build. When a man is productive, right, and it works, what does he gain that sense of? Self. See? I built this. Production gives you a sense of self. So the first one is pleasure, and the second one is production. To produce gives you a tremendous sense of self. You ever see guys who become multi-zillionaires? That's me. You know, you, you know who I am? I made one billion dollars. You know? I made it. I produced it. Right? So that gives you a tremendous sense of self. And what's the next thing? And you will multiply... Same boko, sheep, cattle, and all that. What's that sense of self? Possessions. When you own a lot of stuff, right, you get a tremendous sense of self. So we have pleasure, productivity, possessions. Three Ps. Right? And then the last one is the kesef, the zov, And you're going to multiply a lot of cash. Gold, silver, right? What's that? When you have money, a lot of money, you get a tremendous sense of self. You know, there are people who look at their bank, you know, I love the advertisements that say, you know, online banking, you can go into your bank account and look at all the money that you have. And you can look at it and just derive this incredible sense of self. As if this is a new activity. What? It's security, but it's more than security. It's what I made. Not only do I feel secure, 
but hey, I did this. You see? That's money. That's online banking. That's the fourth one? That's the fourth, yeah. Now, so what is that? How would we categorize this? Who? It's similar to the No, money is different than possessions. What, how is, what is money really? Who? Good. I would use the word potency. You can do anything. The more money you have, you know, whatever money can buy, you can do it. And money can buy a lot of stuff. Right? It's called potency. You're an incredibly potent being. You're able to do. You see? So that, you know, so when you look at, you know, if you have a lot of money in the bank, a lot of money and so on and so forth, it gives you a tremendous sense of omnipotence. You know, maybe not literal omnipotence where you think you're all powerful and all potent, but you walk in with a tremendous... guy has a million dollars in his bank account. He looks at it and says, wow, that's incredible. I don't know what a million by a dollar. Today, it's already a million by a dollar doesn't even buy so much, you know? You know, you, you can collect welfare on a million dollars. But it used to be... It used to be that a million dollars was a lot of money in the, in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. Today, already, you know, I mean, in the old days, did you, in 1970, did you ever hear of a transaction where one company was bought for a billion dollars? It didn't exist. A billion dollars in 1950? What kind of sucker was that? Today, you open the paper, they just bought it for $400 billion. Like, you know, did. It, it's just, you know, and uh, 50 years from now, it just got bought for a trillion dollars. <laughs> you know, the sort of a billion dollars is like beyond belief. A billion dollars is what? It's 1,000 millions. They just kind of came out, I forgot, some guy was worth uh, Bill Gates. Never, never, we have to pass the hat around for him. He used to be the richest man in the world. No, now never. He's only the second richest man because the first guy is now worth seventy-nine point eight billion dollars. One man is worth seventy-nine point eight billion dollars. What that suck is that? He can buy a battleship. Believe me, if I knew. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be here given this year. I mean, you know. And never Bill Gates, he's only worth $79.2 billion. Never, we got to pass the hat around for a guy. You know? A man is worth $79 billion. And each billion is a thousand millions. It's beyond belief how a person could be worth that money. You know what the sum total value of all human wealth is? It's cute. Anybody know? No. The sum no. <laughs> I once read it was interesting. The sum total of all human wealth means individuals and nations adds up to what? Fifty trillion. How much? Fifty trillion. More. More. Hundred trillion. More. It's actually a trillion. Yeah. Two hundred. No, no, it's worth two hundred and fifty trillion dollars is the sum total of all human wealth. It's a lot of money. You know, remember, a billion is a thousand millions. A trillion is a thousand billions. Yeah, we, we you know, who, who has a... But, I, but like I say, it's very funny because in the 50s, <coughs> you never heard of a transaction that where a guy was a billion dollar transaction. I mean, maybe a million, ten million, fifty million 
a billion dollars. And today you, you have companies being sold for $40 billion. It's astounding. The, the wealth, Apple, what are they worth? How many? 500. 500. 500. Something to trillion dollars just for Apple. They have 100 million cash. Okay. Cash. You know, if you, you know, if you get a sug of what that is, if you had $2 billion, so I remember correctly, if you had $2 billion and you spent $1,000 a day, you know, in the beginning it's not so, it's pretty easy, you know, but after a while, you would just run out of things to buy. How long would it take you to spend $2 billion? Take 3,000 years. <laughs> you could support your great, 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 great So, you know, you have to wonder, why would a guy who's worth a billion dollars, why does he go to work? Why is he trying to make a second billion? He can't even spend the first billion. What was that? But they do. They're all working to make the second billion. It's like, when does it stop? It's amazing. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. Yeah, exactly. You know, he hasn't even reached half of really what he wants. But anyway, he gives you what? Four things. Pleasure, productivity, possessions, and money, which is potency. And what will happen if you do all these four things? And your heart will grow high, you know. And you will forget the Lord your God. Isn't that amazing? What the Bible is saying, he's actually telling you the four things that create a sense of self. Or create, actually create a sense of exaggerated self. That's really what Gaiva is. It's an exaggeration of who you are. You know, you know. And of, and if and if if all of a sudden you feel what, your heart will grow mighty, rum exalted. But it's you not know? necessarily exaggerated. So what? I mean, it's not necessarily exaggerated. I mean, it's self, not non productive with no money. I mean, it's not just. Yeah, if you have no, if you don't have pleasure, you don't have possessions, you have no productivity. It feels nothing for good reason. It's not just, it's not just exaggerated self that has all that. It's not what? Any normal, any healthy self has to have some of that. Yeah, but yeah. Not too much, but... Yeah, but obviously we're talking about a, a, a substantial, you know, and, and so on. But I, I'll tell you something, even that's not partial. But hold on for a minute. And what's going to happen? What's the tour of this? Your mouth will and you'll say in your heart, my power, my abilities, this is what has done this Chayel Hazer. You see? So what the Bosham is saying is that, you know, you'll engage continuously in these four activities, the four Ps, and you'll have this incredible sense of self, and the ultimate conclusion is you're going to say, I did it, not God. You see, and that's what Mamshta, that's what the, the Bosham is telling you. Um, it's really, it's almost, actually, it's almost psychological, and so on, you know. <coughs> so therefore, um, <coughs> The, the, what, what comes out is Odom Horishan created a greater obscurity because of his chet. Because now you have to, you know, guy says, you know, guys like, you know, these, these guys are some guys worth fortunes. You know, they don't say it's God, they say it's me. You know, I mean, did Donald Trump ever say it was God? You know, the incredible thing is that Donald Trump has not even gotten his name in heaven 
You know, I mean, he'd love to put a plaque up there <laughs> called Donald Trump's Ghanaian. But unfortunately, he can't, you see, because even he knows he can't get up that high and so on. But the more money you make, the greater ego you have, the greater sense of self, you see. So therefore, we create our obscurity. And it's not just the other it's even it's anybody, you know. The more you get trapped into materialism, possessions, money, and a lot of this stuff, the more you acquire and so on, the greater is the illusion, you know. It's very hard to have a billion dollars and be an honor. Very hard to think that, you know, Enoid Movado, that all of it's from the Bosham. I'm not saying it's not possible, but it's very difficult. Can you have zero of all and be healthy? Can you have what? Can you have zero of all those four and still be healthy? Yes. Sure. Right. The, 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 Rebbe, the, the Rebbe of Zisha, the Noe Melamelech's brother, he was poor, I hate to use the word, as a church mouse. He was incredibly poor. The man had no money. You know? So, listen to this. So, there was somebody once came to the Mizritcha Magid, who wanted to go for the Baal Shem Tov, you know? And he said, Rebbe, you know, it's terrible, you know? I had, used to have this great business, whatever, and I lost it, you know? And I feel terrible about myself. What do I do? I need some type of chizuk. I mean, you know? So he said, I'll tell you, I have a chosen. It's called the Rebbe of Zisha. Zisha from Anipoli, which I was there to go in the summer and go to his kever. The Rebbe of Zisha. He was the brother of the Noim Elimela. These two people were in Bar Moivsim. You know, and, um, just one story of Zisha to show you who he was. You know, uh, he once uh, was learning Chavrusa, I think, and he got stuck, you know, on a Tosis. You know, so he didn't know what to do. So, okay, so he'll come back the next day and he'll figure it out. So the, the Zisha comes back the next day and he says, I got an answer. You know, and he gives the guy an answer. He says, Incredible. How'd you come up with this answer? He said, well, before I went to sleep, I was misspelled. And in the middle of my sleep, in the dream I had, the Bali Toysmus came to re. was the re. came to me in the dream and said, you need to know the answer? I'll give you the answer. So the re came and gave him the answer. So he came back the next day and said, you know, I, this is what we're talking about, you know. <laughs> oh, uh, and there are many stories, but another one is that, you know, somebody wanted to see Abzisha, you know, and he was sleeping. So the guy said, listen, I don't want to wake him up. So the guy said, don't worry. Here's what you do. Go to the room. And take your hand and put it, cover the mezuzah with your hand. Cover the mezuzah. He did that. As soon as he covered, Rabzisha got up. It's astounding, you know, these stories, you know. But so anyway, this guy went to see Rabzisha. So he walks into Rabzisha's house. I mean, it's a hovel. It's a broken down house, whatever it was, and so on, you know. So he says, so Rabzisha looks at him and says, Look, what can I do for you, you know? So he says, Well, the Mizucha market sent me to speak to you. He says, yeah, about what? So I tell you, I feel terrible. I went bankrupt. I have no money, and so on and so forth. So uh, well, what do I do? So Abzisha says, he looked at him and says, I tell you the honest truth. You know, I don't know why he sent you here. You know, I have everything I need. Every place was a broken down shack. You know, like, what are you coming to me for? I, I'm, I'm, I have everything I need. I can't give you chizik, because I don't understand your problem. <laughs> right? There you are. I have nothing. And he didn't even understand what the guy's problem was. You see, that can only be possible for a person that has the incredible belief that whatever he has, he needs. You see, and and just why is why is it Ezer Osher Hasomech Bechelkoi? Ever wonder why? It sounds like uh, you know an excuse. You know, it's like a you know I 
you make you feel good, right? If you if if you're sumeach bechelkoi, then you're an oshir. It sounds like a consolation prize. <laughs> really, you feel terrible, terrible. But they have to make you feel good. So it's okay if you're happy in what you have. You're an oshir. Excuse me. The other guy's got a million dollars in his bank account. He's an usher. You tell me I'm an usher because I'm happy, my chalik, and this, this is a con job. What's that supposed to mean? Right? You have the guy, the next guy, he's, he's, he's poor compared to the guy who has a million more than him. So fine, but, the, but fine. So he's poor and I'm poor. Don't tell me I'm an usher. Don't tell me I'm rich. I don't have any money. You can tell me I'm rich. Hear the vote? It sounds like a. It sounds like, a, you know, they're trying to make me feel happy when the whole thing is not even true. Why is it if you're happy and you're chedek, you're, you're a wealthy man? You know, why is that? Anybody got a test for this? A dimion? You know what the guy's going to say? God, please afflict me with this dimion. <laughs> Afflict me! I want to be sick this way, right? I want to be delusional. You know, I, I got ten million dollars in the bank. I don't mind being delusional. Just give me the ten million dollars. That's what the guy will tell you. Anybody have an answer for that? Why are you an usher if you're happy with what you have, even if what you have is very little? I mean, Rabzisha displayed that. You know, he didn't even understand the guy why the Mizrachimagid sent him a guy. He doesn't understand that, you know, because I don't know what your problem is. I'm okay. I have everything I need, you know. And believe me, he was he was incredibly poor, and so on. You know what the answer is? I mean, there are different ways of learning, but there's a simple answer that is pshat. You know, sometimes the simplest answer is the best. It means this. Everybody is sent down to this world for a specific mission to accomplish a specific purpose. There is no such thing as a purposeless person, really. Not in Shemayim. Everybody has to be come down for a purpose, and that's his mission. And, okay, and he's directed, even though he doesn't know. In the old days, maybe you could know by going to a Novi. You know, he would tell you exactly what your purpose was, you know. Or maybe going to a Baruch HaKodesh, whatever. But obviously, most people don't know. But Dubon is not going to abandon you. Also, what's the point of you being born? So therefore, he will direct you exactly what you need to do your purpose. And if your purpose is complete and you do it, you are, that's it. There is nothing else that's missing. You have reached the Shlemus. Look, in the end, we want to reach what's called Shlemus, perfection. Right? Perfection is the same for everybody. The difference is, right, how we get there. Okay? So therefore... If you are Sumer Bechelkoi, what does that mean? It means you realize that whatever I have is exactly all I need to become perfect. So you Sumer, and that's wealth. Wealth is that I can achieve everything I need to achieve. Perfection, right? And therefore, I have exactly what I need to do that. So I'm happy, you see. If I had more or less, it's irrelevant to my Shlemus. What's the difference, really? That's what it means. Eze Osher, what's a, w- a wealthy man? Somebody who's Sumer. And how are you Sumer? Because somebody who believes that whatever he has is all he needs for his mission to be accomplished, for Shlemus in Shemayim, and that's, that is Shlemus, right? Then he's happy. 
So simcha is proof that you believe that what you have is all you need. You don't need anything else. Even though it's hard to understand that, then you're an osher. Because the concept of an osher is what? He can do anything he wants. Right? It's the same thing. You have reached perfection, just be happy, and that happiness is an expression of your belief that I don't need more. Even though we don't understand what that, you know, why? You know, why is it a guy's making, you know, he's bankrupt or whatever? Why? How does this help his shlemus? We don't know. Can somebody just happy, be happy with his perfection while, while the wife and kids suffer from hunger, from little things and so on? I mean, <coughs> you're right. <coughs> you're, you're right. And because we are disillusioned, we don't see the reality. We don't see the reality. That's the problem. In, in the reality of God, or the reality of the spiritual dimensions, the fact that they're miserable, and that she's making you miserable, and that, it's, that is... It's really what? It's really no, it's not that sad. It, it's exactly what you need. It's exactly what you need to be perfect. And same thing with her, the miserable wife. Just, we, don't, we don't see that, you see... Uh, again, we don't. To us, we don't understand. We cannot. But why does it say It's a mission. Just like you bless for what you bless God for good, you also bless God for bad. Whatever. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would anybody do that? <clears throat> and the answer is because there is no bad at all. It just looks bad. But really, that bad is what's going to make you perfect. But we don't understand. Look, it's the same thing. You go to a doctor. God gives you a medicine, and the medicine is bitter. Right? So you say, what, is he crazy? But the answer is, of course it's bitter, but that's exactly what cures you, is that medicine, and for whatever reason, it has to be bitter. Same idea. <clears throat> we, we don't see that. We are, we are denied the perception of the reality that everything we go, we go through is like a prescription. It's an exact prescription of what you need to make you perfect. If a person really believed that, he would be happy. Even if. Even in the misery. Even in the misery, yeah. Correct. That's Rabzisha. I mean, how, do I, well, how, can, how can he be happy in this country? It's ridiculous. Guy. guy has hardly any food. He has no money. His house looks like a shambles. I mean, like, what, what is he talking about? But he had such an unbelievable understanding of that the matzav situation that people find themselves is a prescription drug to bring you to pure health or perfection. He obviously believed that. To such an extent, we didn't know what the guy is talking about. What are you miserable about? If you're bankrupt, that's exactly what you need for something to happen that will make you perfect. Of course, you know, he believed it and the other guy didn't. You see, that's the real story of what Rabbi is saying. He says, what's your problem? Of course, you, there's suffering involved. But without that suffering, you cannot be saved. You see, we don't understand that. In the end, to illustrate that, in, 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 uh, in Shabbos Nachmu, right, there's a Haftura, famous Haftura. Nachmu, Nachmu, Ami, be consoled, be consoled, right? Says your God. So the question is, why is there a double Russian here? We know God doesn't stutter. So why would it say, Nachmu, Nachmu twice? 
Good question. Right? Why? Well, it sounds like you need two nechomas. Be consoled, one. Be consoled, two. Says your God. You see? And the answer to that, and the Ramchal says, it's a modic answer. He says, imagine a guy's in prison for 20 years, right? And as far as the guy's concerned, he didn't deserve to be there. See, you know, you've got, this, this takes place in all the dictatorships. Cuba. Cuba, for instance, was Rishoyim. You know how many people they put in prison because you disagreed with them or whatever? Guy's been languishing in prison for decades. For what? Because that Meshigna Castro and his brother, it's incredible what these guys did, right? So imagine one day, the decree comes down, okay, you're out. Prison is over. Your sentence is done. So they open the door and the guy walks out, right? So that's a Nechama. The Nechama, the consolation, is a comforting that he's no longer in prison. But what's the problem? Why did I have to spend 20 years in prison for something I didn't do? You see? How do you console a guy? So what the Barashim is saying is this. Is nachmu nachmu ami, be consoled that your goals will end. Wow, it's gewaldi. Imagine the Mashiach comes and there's in a choma, there's no more goals, no more persecutions, no more poverty, no more death, no more sickness, right? Everything is gewaldi. But there's something that we can't, we still can't take. Why did we have to go through all this? Okay, it's great news that it's over, but can you explain to me why we're in Gullahs for four thousands of years? Terrible. I mean, forget about how many Jews were killed and so on and so forth, you know? Uh, so, the Rabbanishim says, I will now show you why you needed all this Yisurin. And if you didn't get this Yisurin, you could never be redeemed. So what would you say then? What would you say? I don't care. Don't give it to me. No. You'd say, thank God you gave this to me. Because without it, without this medicine, I could never get better. So it's true that the medicine, you don't take the surgery, right? You know, a guy's got whatever, he's sick, and he's got to go for surgery, right? Uh, so what's he going to do? Yell at the doctor and say, what, are you crazy? You're cutting me up? Are you, what, are you kind of butcher? He says, what are you talking about? Without the surgery, you're dead. You know? And the surgeon, of course, wants to make sure you understand that, right? She charges the insurance companies 40 grand, <laughs> right? To make sure you understand that what I did for you was good and you're willing to pay for it, right? <clears throat> Same idea. What the Bansham says is two nechomas. One, that we're free. Sheikh is here, Gavaldi. Right? That's what the, that's what the Bansham says. But then second nechoma, why did we go through 2,000 years of horrendous Yisurim? Horrendous. The Bansham says, I will tell you. And he shows each person, not just the nation of Israel, but each individual person, he's going to sit down with you, so to speak, and say, let me tell you the story of your life. And I will explain to you why every single iota of suffering had to happen, and if it didn't happen, you could not be freed. So what's the guy going to say? Who cares? Of course not. He's going to say, thank God it's over, but what can you say? say the guy will say, thank you for doing this. Because without this, I could never have achieved what I have to achieve. That's the Nechoma that the Barashim does. That's why it says Nachmu twice. Once for the end, and the second thing is for the reason there was so much suffering, you see.
So, so therefore, that's a very important idea. You know, I, I got so far afield. Where did I start out from? Uh, physical obscurity. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. So what we begin to realize is the purpose of the physical universe is to obscure the exact reality that is real. You know, that one, we, we believe we are true selves, ourselves. We are individual, right? We can cause, you know what I'm saying? We can do anything. You see? And therefore, that physical reality is obscured. So, Yichud Mitzi is God is the only one. Yichud Shlitosoi, God is the only cause. And I will tell you one more Yichud, which is interesting. When Yaakov met, which will come in a couple of weeks, when Yaakov met Yosef, finally, Yaakov came to Egypt, and there was Yosef, and they, Yosef, of course, they cried on each other's shoulders. But Yosef was crying, and Yaakov wasn't. So the mentor says that Yaakov was saying, Shema Yisrael. I'm sure you're familiar with that. You know? That's incredible. You know? I mean, he didn't see his son for how many years? You know, 22 years? And he sees him, and he thought he was dead and everything. You know? And he sees 22 years, and, you know, and Yosef, of course, is crying. I mean, it's astounding after 22 years not to see a father... And, and so on. And Yaakov isn't saying, he's not crying, he's saying Kriyashma. Now, we know Yaakov Avinu is from, but, you know, he couldn't say Kriyashma after? I mean, was it this man was right then and there? So he had to say Kriyashma? Like, how do we understand this? So there are, there are different ideas. The Bali Musa want to say the joy of seeing Yosef was so phenomenal, he didn't want to take it for himself, he wanted to use it for the joy of expressing Akkot to the Marishlam, you know. That intense joy, he wanted to use it in the service of a mitzvah. That's what the Bali Musa say. Okay? However, there's a much more simple way of learning that, or understanding. Yaakov Avinu realized something which astounded him. Until now, what was the pro- problem here? Yosef was gone. As far as he's concerned, he's dead. Right? Yehuda, with the mice of Tamar, Terrible. You know what I'm saying? With the Mice Yehuda with Tamar, what's going on here? My son does this kind of stuff. Right? So you have these two, right? Then you had the whole concept with you know you the Shvatam, they were prisoners in Egypt because Yosef. I mean it's like it was like 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 it's like pandemonium is breaking out here. You know what I'm saying? Like I had nothing's going right. And anyway he had Saurus from Aesov and you know, you know and all of a sudden he sees Yosef. Yosef is alive, A. Eh? Yosef is an incredible tzaddik, which is incredible in Egypt. You know, you know, as we are tzaddik on 42nd Street in Manhattan, you don't last very long, you know. Imagine a guy, a tzaddik, going into the Wynn Hotel in Las Vegas. You know, and there's every type in the world. Gambling, you name it, is there. How long do you think you're going to last, you know? You can have, it's like, Las Vegas is Ulam Hazer. It is quintessential Ulam Hazer. You know, you don't last very long. You know, so here Yosef is alive. Yosef is an incredible tzaddik. You know, and Yosef is Shani Lamelech. I mean, wow, what a turnaround. It's astounding. What a turnaround. 
So Yaakov Avinu realized something that was astounding to him. Until now, I understand, he says, I understand the concept of Yichu Mitzvah that God is the only one. I understand the concept of Yichu Mitzvah that God is the only cause, right? But until now, I thought, what about Yichu Han that we all have different directions, and in many ways, we determine our direction. So he realized that every bad thing that happened to him, God directed in order to bring about this incredible event. That really, Yosef was alive, the tzaddik and everything, right? Yehuda, right? That the Mashiach comes from Yehuda. That all of this stuff, you can go back also, and, and to, and to, he was all of this, that God took complete direction of every bad thing that happened to him. No. Shlitosa means God is the only cause, right? But he gave you Bechira, didn't he? So Bechira means that you can determine your direction, right? But he realized that even your Bechira doesn't give you anything, really. Because God is directing even, even though you're bur- and that's the incredibleness, even though we have free will, God directs us exactly where he wants us to be. You see? So he realized the absolute oneness of his direction. So here you have a being that is the only one. He's the only cause, force. And he's the only guy that directing anything. Nothing happens. You don't, even though you think you have Bechira, but you don't realize that even with your Bechira, you must go in the direction that God wants. Either for the good or for the bad. It's irrelevant. So therefore, that's why he said, that realization, so what did he say? What was the possible? Right? What do you mean, Echod? That the Roshan, our God, is one. He is one in Metzius, he's one in Shlita, and he's one in Anhoko. Because you saw how everything came together to make everything perfect. You see, where Yosef is the Charlotte, Shane in the Melach, the Tzaddik, and, and, and so on. That realization gave him unbelievable joy. You see, so really, it wasn't because he wanted to do a mitzvah with the joy. The, the it was the hasogah that was incredible, and he said Shema Yisrael. You see, so therefore, these are the things that this world obscures. We all think that we're headed in our own direction. We do whatever we want, you know, and God just stands aside, you know, and He just says, "Hey, I wish you a lot of luck." Right? We all think we control things. We think that. We are individuals, really. We are the source of our own existence, right? We do whatever we want. But in the end, we realize there is zero that we do. Except we have the illusion that even with Bechira, we have an illusion that we determine our lives. <coughs> and that's not even true. See? So that's what the physical universe is to retain and reinforce the obscurity of Oilam Haba. That's really what it's all about. And, th- and that's what the, the Ramkal is saying in this pair of so do we own anything? Do we own anything? Nothing. Are we sapiens? What do you mean own? You mean do you own your house? No, no, no. <laughs> in terms of in some sense. Do we have something? Do we, we have really nothing? No, no, no in the end. No, it's Bechira that gives us Bechira a true claim. To do what? To choose. To, do, to, to choose, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you can. No, it does change, except the version takes your decision, whatever you wanted, and will turn it his way. That will make you shalim. That's what he does. He can take any choice that you make and put it in a direction where you will become shlemus. Whether the choice is good or bad, doesn't make a difference. So that sense. Destination is predetermined, but how I get there depends on my choices. Then why do you waste it? It's not that he determines this is. The you want you could use that muscle, yeah. You you cannot go in a different direction. Even Rishon cannot go in a different direction. You realize that. The classic case is uh, is Homan. Why does it say Baruch Mordechai or Homan? They're both gematrias are the same, by the way. Why is it you say why the gematria Baruch Mordechai blesses Mordechai and curses Homan? Why are they equal? The same gematria, because to us there's a hero and a villain. Mordechai is the hero. And Homan is the villain. To God, there's no hero and no villain. Why? Because the Bria has to have a Tikkun. The whole reason why Homan was successful is so Klai should do Tshuva, right? They should do incredible Tshuva. So Homan was the emissary. He was just the instrument. So Homan thought he was going to kill the Jews. Really, his whole purpose was to awaken the Jews to Tshuva. You see? The only difference is, is that since Mordechai chooses to be good, he gets rewarded. Since Haman chooses to be bad, even though the destination is going to be the same thing, Tikkun and Shlemus, he gets punished because he chose. It's the Kavana that destroys him. But the destination is the same. That's why the Gematis are the same. What would actually transpire if Mordechai would choose not so such a good option and Haman would choose good option? Same thing. They, they will arrive at the same destination. Except Mordechai will not get the Schar. And Haman won't get the schar. Well, Haman will be hand and the whole, the, the whole story would happen? No. I mean, oh, you mean, so God, God well, will make... So God will make it, the tshuva and kapora come a different way, that's all. Oh, but something else was actually transpired. Of course, because he needed, God needed to do something. Except he used the bechir of people for his purposes. You know, it's your, his agenda and your agenda coincide. So he will use you to achieve the di- destination that he wants. See, but it's always the same destination, except he will wait for somebody to choose one way, and he will be his agenda will agree with your agenda in the direction. But the destination is always the same. And that's the concept of yeah, that Yoakovarina realized. You know that God, you cannot deviate from the destination. It's impossible. And and God will work it, even if you choose anything you want. In the end, you wind up the same way. The only th- the difference is, will you get the schar for winding up that way, or you won't get the schar for winding up that way? You see? You see what I'm saying? After Mashiach comes, we won't have the physical world, we won't have that obscurity? The physical world? I, I gave a share last week on what the Mashiach reveals, what the old Mashiach is. It'll be a different universe, physical universe, but different. Totally different. Look, a universe that has no death, no bankruptcy, no pain, no disease, no sorrows. There's a different universe than we know of. You know what I'm saying? And so on, you know. Uh, there has to be a... T- in Mashiach ben David's time, not Ben Yosef, but Mashiach ben David's time, there's a complete change of Teva. In Ben Yosef's time, which comes before Ben David, Teva does not change at all. But in Ben David's time, no death is a complete change in... Uh, in his uh, m- m- physical matter, living matter does not decompose. 
How could you die? And there's no disease, there's no bacteria anymore, there's no virus, there's nothing. This is an incredible state of toiv. And that's in the messianic era. That's nothing compared to what we know, Nothing. See? So we cannot even comprehend what's going to be in the messianic era. You know, you have no concept of what's there. Anything else? Yes? Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the physical world and uh, the spiritual world where you have metrinos uh, and so forth. What characterizes the difference? Oh, before you leave, next week, only next week, I have an upsharing earlier on mm-hmm. Metzoy. So next week the shear is at 9.30. And then after that, I think we'll go back to a regular time of 8.30. Okay? So like this there. No, 8.30, because these guys have an overshoot until 8, until they get out of here and all that. You know. So from now on, next week is 9.30, and every week after that is 8.30. Okay? Just remember that for next week, you know? What would be the distinction? He's an the question. Yeah, so what characterizes the, the distinction between the that, that, that are seen there? For instance, there are, there are angels, there are the malachim that, that perceive the, the yichud of the punishment on a different level than the other yeah. malachim. Yeah, that's right. For instance, when the Mechal was talking to malachim, he saw that some of them had greater yeah. insight and truth than others. Sure, exactly. So what, what accounts for this differentiation? On who? Malachim? On man. No, in that world. Like what distinguishes, I mean, if everything's an Enon Mavado, and everything has a... Hasoga. Hasoga. Well, what, what, what distinguishes that Hasoga? What, what, what's the controlling factor? That an angel... What determines... Yeah. What determines the difference... Yeah, so what's your question? What determines, what determines the Hasoga? Uh, where they were created. It's not merit. It's mazel. The Bansham creates malochim, and you are what you are. And that, that, you know what I'm saying? He has his reasons of why that malach will be at this level of Asoga, and another malach will be well, far well, lower. What's internal in the malach of a sorrow that has a greater Asoga than that of a uh, Ophah? Uh, you're talking about why different malochim are in different positions of Asoga? Or are you asking, what is the difference in us? I, I, I don't know what you ask. Which is it? What, what is it within the Moloch that can perceive that difference? Like what's, what's oh, the, you mean... What's, what? control, what's, what's within them that controls their... Mechanism? No, what's the mechanism? What's the mechanism? Uh, the, uh, the answer is Merchen. Well, Merchen is the ability to masik, <laughs> or, uh, better IQ. Higher IQ. Sounds funny. It's IQ. <coughs> And it sounds funny, but with the Amalochim that have incredible IQs, the Amalochim that have lower IQs. And there's not a feature just uh, of Benedict. What was it? The Mokhin is not just a feature of Benedict. Well, Mokhin really, uh, brains refers to the ability yeah. to be masik. Let's use the word, greater consciousness. Different Amalochim have different consciousnesses about God, you see. And what, what, I, look, I don't know what, what a Malach is. is his brain, his brain is massing this. Whatever they call brains. I mean, they don't have our brains, but they, they have some type of mechanism that, that, that uh, serves as a brain. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're still structurally the 
all along that they exist there obscures them? Well, is, is, is the obscuration at the level of the olam, or is it internal? That, that's a good olam? question. Is it an environmental problem, or is it a it's entity right. problem? Right. Yeah, that's a different question. Um, probably it's an environmental problem. The envir- that oilam doesn't allow more than a certain hasoga. So anybody who's in that place will only masik. But that would mean that all malachim have the same intelligence. You know what I'm saying? It's just that where they're placed. You know what I'm saying? But uh, and, and so on. You know. So we could. There's no question that different oilamas. You know, you have uh, asiya and tzir and, and so on. That the environment has a different uh, exposure or. Prov- uh, of perception of the Rabbanisham. So it, so it seems like wherever you're placed makes a tremendous difference, yeah. Could be. You know? Okay. What qualifies for a major event? And when, you, when you explain Yuchin Hanagasi, you see that there are certain events, like in an agenda, that like, has it has to happen no matter what the person chooses. Yeah. Yeah. And why are small events? How, when a person looks at his own self, how can he say, how can he divide what had that happened, which are considered significant events, like, and what are like small events which are, are, are dependent on his behavior? As a person to know that. Like no. a major event would be, guys had to be in this No matter what the Shvatim would have done, he would if the Shvatim wanted to solve them, he would have flown there by, by, by miracle, right? That, that's that's the, the part what you're saying. Big things have to happen. Yeah. Like Morel says, Rahm yeah. the died of Enem Yeah. Because it had to be, the Shabbat wanted to solve them. He couldn't be kidnapped. So, I, well, I don't know, what's the question? What's the divine line of small events which happen by themselves? Not which are dependent on the person's free choice. Well, the fact yeah. that the whole class show, that's well, the yes. Did you just say that? Did you say there was a difference between small Bechiras and big Bechiras? Well, do you mean everything, right? What's a small Bechira? Right? Right? What? When you say you can have God, that means that every single thing that the person is dependent on Hashem and nothing whatsoever. Your entire direction is God-determined. What do you mean by direction? Let's say, let's say I, I chose to, to, to learn, let's say, the Sabbath is not here, right? Yeah. That's dependent on my Bechira. Yes. I decide to but the direction will be the same. Because you're learning Gemara to it, you're, you're, you're getting uh, the Schab, the Limanatera. I'm saying? How would we quantify what? Maybe what you could say is this is the destination is determined, right? But the path, perhaps, is up to you. But destination is not an event. It's probably somewhat real. It's not an event. Whatever the destination is, in this case, the destination was Egypt. Uh, you know, with Yosef and, and so on. The Russian root healer. Yeah, depending on your choices, but it will, it will always lead. It's like all roads lead to Rome. It's like all roads lead to Rome. But again, there always not event. It's not specific event in this world. It means the Madriga. Well, the uh, the Rome in this case is the Tikkun. There will always be a Tikkun. But the, it must achieve a Tikkun. Yeah, no matter what you do. Yeah. So it's not the event. No. Right. Well, it's the t- the event will be a tikkun event. 
you know. So that's what it means. Like it's a generic command. It's not specifically how it would express. There could be there are variations in the <laughs> the event, the destination of what has to achieve has to happen. Let's see. Anyway. The Arab said 